Hey guys, and welcome to another episode of Get Home Safe. It is Friday, May 7th, 2020. We made it through another week. Here we are, Monday through Friday, having shows every morning, various guests. Another week in the books, guys, as we move through the month of May, just navigate through this quarantine, through this lockdown, just trying to get by, get through it all together, day by day, week by week, we will accomplish that. And I don't know about you, but uh, I was really excited and uh, enjoyed the NFL schedule release last night. It was a pleasure. It was fun to look ahead and see the big games and just talk about the NFL. You know, hopefully it starts up in September and we'll we'll be looking back at this time, at that time, and, uh, you know, be a lot more happy than we are, hopefully in better places, just everyone individually and as a country. Hopefully things are uh, much brighter at that time. So looking forward to the NFL. Can't say it enough. Just thrilled. Was really happy for the schedule release last night. It just got me uh, all fired up again. Looking forward to some football. Looking forward to a lot of positive things. Hopefully having trying to have that positive outlook that, uh, you know, is important to have. Negativity is contagious and so is positivity. So let's try to uh, to spread that around as best we can. Joe Wellman is our guest today. He is a college basketball coach at California Baptist University in Riverside, California. He has been there for a few years. He was at Citrus College in Glendora before that. And before all of that, he was a member of Cary Youth League Played at Rio Hondo Prep for a few years in high school. Eventually transferred to Western Christian for a senior year. And we played each other back in 2002 as seniors on opposite sides after growing up playing together for a long time. So we bashed heads a little bit here in high school and uh, junior high. Uh, didn't always see eye to eye, but uh, you know he's someone who's done well for himself at the college basketball level. We'll let him tell you all about that. Looking forward to hear his story. I have a full slate of guests for next week already. I will tell you all about them at the end of the interview as we close out the show. But before that, let's get to our interview with Joe Wellman, the assistant basketball coach at Cal Baptist University. Okay, today we are joined by Joe Wellman. He is a an assistant basketball coach at Cal Baptist University in Riverside. They've been a, a Division II program for a long time, but have gone to the Division I level in recent years. They're a member of the WAC Conference, and Joe has uh, been coaching college basketball a long time now. But it uh, it all started his uh, our relationship, our, our our meeting each other, running into each other, like many of our guests started way back in in Cary Youth League. So we'll touch on a little bit of everything. But Joe, welcome to the program. Thanks for having me, man. I appreciate it. I appreciate it. Cool, Joe. It's been a long time. We haven't talked in a while. Uh, I know you're coaching basketball and all. And we'll get to it all. But where, where are you living these days? I'm out in Riverside. Um, I'm out in shoot probably. 10 minute drive from campus, um, you know, kind of the far north, northwest corner of the city. So I'm a little bit, you know, I'm outside of downtown and all that. But um, yeah, I mean, pretty close to campus. And, you know, we live in one of those like uh, those planned communities where it's all new construction and, and all that stuff. So it's uh, it's turned out to be a nice little spot, um, you know, and Riverside is I actually really like Riverside. A lot of people don't, um, you know, I 
thoroughly enjoy it because I think it's, you know, it's one of the few places in Southern California where I actually think like the middle class can thrive. <laughs> um, you know, like you can, you can buy a house here and you can like, you know, you can do some things that, you know, if you're, if you're trying my same house in Orange County or LA, like forget about it. Um, <laughs> you know, so uh, it's, uh, it has been bad, but yeah, we're, we're pretty close to campus and uh, just enjoying the Inland Empire. Very cool. And uh, what's the family like these days? You say you have a, a young daughter, right? Yeah. Yeah. So I've been, uh, shoot, my wife's going to kill me. Uh, <laughs> we're going on uh, we, our fourth year of marriage. Okay. Um, and uh, yeah, we had my daughter, uh, Riley. She's about to be 17 months. Um, you know, we actually had her in the middle of our basketball season two seasons ago, which was uh, what a time. <laughs> um, but uh, no, so it's just me and her and, you know, starting to starting to get to that point where you have to start discussing about another kid. Huh. Um, so we're just starting to venture down that path of discussion, um, whether I like it or not. <laughs> but um, yeah, so right now it's just the three of us and you know, just, just enjoying life. Cool. Happy to hear it, man. Yeah. I'm not too far from Riverside these days. I live out in Eastvale, uh, which is actually oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Riverside County actually. And we've been here over a year. We really like it. It's it, like you said, it is different. It's uh, we're away from, from everything a bit, but at the same time we can get places quick, including Riverside. So uh, I've really enjoyed it out here. Yeah. I, uh, when, when we first got the job at CBU, I I, that's where I moved. Um, so I moved from, from Azusa, uh, where I had been living for a while since I was at Citrus college. And then, uh, yeah, I moved out to Eastvale cause it was, it was a little bit, you know, it was pretty close, but (laughs) at the, at the time it was a little bit more affordable than Riverside. I actually think it's flipped since then. Um, but, uh, yeah, so Eastville, I'm I'm very familiar with Eastville. I was right there <laughs> off the 15, and uh, yeah, no, I like it. I like it a lot. Cool. Well, well, Joe, we uh, we both grew up in an organization called Care Youth League, and we were on separate teams. I was a uh, I was on the Gators, and you were a a Cardinal. And it's fun talking to friends now, even to this day. You know, 20 years later, well, maybe even longer than that, 25 years later. Uh, you know, there's still a sense of pride for the team you grew up on and, you know, a lot of battles against each other. But what can you tell me about your days of, of Care Youth League, when you started and, and kind of what got you into the program? Yeah, I, um, you know, I, I got involved, um, you know, and I'm not, if I'm being honest, I don't know exactly how KYL is structured now. But, you know, back then when we were, we were growing up, like the earliest you could join was basically when you were five. Mm-hmm. And, um, that was, that was when I, I joined up and it's funny cause I, you know, I was going to, I want to say it was kindergarten. Um, but I, at my school, you know, they were passing out these flyers and eventually I, you know, I realized it was for what ended up being KYL, but you know, they kept sending these flyers home and I just kept trashing them. You know, it's one of those things where like the teacher <laughs> passes them out and they kind of hope you bring it back home. And, um, I just kept trashing them and I kept trashing them. I kept trashing them. And I, I remember coming home one time and my mom had picked me up. And I think, uh, in typical Joe fat, I think I had gotten in trouble of some sorts. Um, so the te- my, my mom had to come get me from the principal's office and there happened to be a stack of those same flyers in there. 
And so she grabbed one and, you know, she starts kind of having to talk with me about, Hey, I think we should do this. And, you know, one of the things that's great about KYL is, you know, I, I grew up with a single mom. And so, you know, childcare and all that stuff was really hard, um, you know, to kind of manage and stuff on her own. And so I, I think she looked at it as a great opportunity to, okay, at least, you know, on some days, you know, I can have some built in childcare. Yeah. Um, and she basically, I still, I still like relatively vividly remember her telling me like, Hey, this is what you're going to do. Like, <laughs> um, and I'm like, Oh, okay. And I had no real, like the idea of playing sports at that time, you know, not that I can remember what my other interests were, but like, I wasn't super stoked about it. Um, and, uh, so when she told me like, this is what you're going to do, like, I don't remember being like, you know, necessarily enthused about it. Um, and, uh, but I remember, you know, she brought me in there. I still remember, uh, my first like meeting ever with, with Scott Weidman, who was like the, you know, was doing the younger ages in KYL for, for what ended up being my team, the, the Cardinals. And, um, I just remember going like without, you know, in a very rudimentary way, cause obviously I'm five years old, but basically saying like, I think this guy's a good guy. You know, <laughs> like I liked him. <laughs> And, you know, so my mom was like, all right, you know, then you're good with it. Let's do it. And, you know, and I still remember, you know, so it's about to come football season. We had our first meeting and they're like, all right, this is what you need to do this. Right. All of a sudden, the real is that you got to get pads and helmets and all this stuff. And, you know, because one of the things I, I look back and I really I, I just I, I with a lot of fondness is, you know, KYL is doing tackle football at five years old mm-hmm. and. Now it, it, we know it's five, it's five-year-olds hitting each other. So is it really tackle football? Who knows? <laughs> but it, you know, nowadays, you know, it's that age, you pretty much, your only option is flag football and stuff like that. And, um, and I don't think my mom realized like it was going to be tackle football. And so um, I remember coming home with like this list of stuff that, you know, Mr. Weidman had said, you got to get by, you know, this date. And we didn't have the money. Like, you know, it's, the helmet and the pad, all that stuff is, you know, it's a hundred and something bucks, which at that time, you know, was a lot of money. Yeah. And I remember like doing, launching my own, like, you know, and nowadays it would be, we would say it's a Kickstarter, but <laughs> it was like launching my own, like, Hey, come buy my stuff. And like grabbing money. I still remember like my, my kindergarten teacher gave me 30 bucks and I thought it was like the greatest thing ever. And <laughs> anyways, we were able to piece the money together and, we did tackle football and um, you know, and then it obviously it, then it turns into basketball and then it turns into baseball and soccer and track and all that stuff. And um, I did that, you know, it, all the way through until they let you, you know, you can yeah. basically take that all the way up to eighth grade. Um, and uh, uh, you know, and so that led to kind of me ending up at, at Rio Hondo prep. And um, you know, I still remember, having an opportunity to go to Pearl prep in what, in what would have been the first like fifth grade class ever. Mm -hmm. And, you know, at the time going like, gosh, I just Pearl, what a nerdy, like I I remember thinking it was like a nerdy name. Like, and I remember telling my mom, like, I'm not a Pearl prep kind of guy. I just, I just thought I'm so nerdy. Um, so didn't go to pro prep, finished up at, uh, at the Catholic school I was at. And then when the opportunity came around to, to go to Rio Hondo in sixth grade, uh, we did that. And, you know, I was shoot sixth grade, seventh grade, eighth grade, you know, all the way up through most of my junior year. And, 
Um, but KYL is, I, I still tell people like to this day, it's such a unique experience going through that, that mm -hmm. organization. And it's, and obviously I know it's not available to everybody. Obviously if you live in Florida, there's, there's no KYL there, but I, you know, I just think it's anybody that I know that lives in the San Gabriel Valley. Like I would thoroughly encourage them to do it. You know, even if it's not, you know, for the duration that I did or you did it, which was basically our entire youth lives. Yeah. Um, you know, I do think you just get exposed to so much good stuff and, you know, and I've, especially now that I'm older and, and I, and I do athletics for a living, like, I, I just don't think there's any greater platform to teach, you know, moral attributes or character or, or mm -hmm. any team or, you know, some of that stuff, like there's just no better platform than sport. And, and I, and I don't think there's any better age to do that than when you're young, you know, when you're at yeah. your most kind of formable. Uh, and um, no, it was a, it was an incredible experience. And, you know, I actually was just talking to Mark Carson today and, mm. um, you know, like I still have some lifelong friends from there and, and people, you know, that were, you know, mentors to me back then, but still are to these days. And, um, that's just so rare to find, to be able to like, look back and, and, and say like, yeah, I'm, I still communicate with people that I met when I was six or seven years old. Yeah, I know. Um, <laughs> and it just doesn't, you know, it just doesn't, it just doesn't exist in most places. And I think that speaks to kind of the organization itself and kind of what they do and what they're about and, and kind of how great it is. Mm -hmm. Um, and, uh, yeah, no, I mean, KYL is, is one <laughs> of the, you know, at the time you don't, you know, as a kid, you don't, you don't have enough perspective or enough life experience to know these things, but looking back it, you know, my time in KYL and then eventually into Rio Hondo, like, really was like some of the best time of my life mm -hmm. you know I just I just wish I could have I could have appreciated it for what it was at the time um and uh you know but I I just like I said I just look I just look back at the that time of my life with such fondness um and couldn't speak highly you know <laughs> highly enough about the organization and like I said I mean I literally have random friends that happen to live in San Gabriel Valley that I I always tell them like when you're when your kids are old enough, like this is what you should do. Yeah. You know, you don't, you don't got to do it forever, but I think you should give it a rip and, and at least give it a try and, and, and experience it. Cause it's just, just such a unique opportunity and, and, and place. And so, um, but yeah, no, it was, it was great. I, uh, you know, you talk about, you, you know, your, your daycare kind of for a couple of days a week. And that was the biggest reason I joined the program I saw a kid with shoulder pads and a helmet at school one day. And, and I finally, you know, asked them about it, got some information. I wanted to play football and uh, told my parents. And my parents loved the idea because the whole concept of coming to pick you up from school in a bus, then taking you to practice and then even taking you home, like it just fit, it, it fit everything into place. And, and, you know, my parents worked till six o'clock at night. So it was just a good thing. And, and that structure, like you mentioned, is definitely a, a added bonus to, the reason that Care Youth League is successful and it's different. The fact that it's year round, that you play all the different sports, even if you don't like all the sports, you go to camps, you do all these things. So yeah, I couldn't agree with you more, Joe. Yeah, no, it, it and it's funny, right? We all get into, into certain stuff for different reasons. And, you know, like, cause I, I'll be on it. I, you know, like I said, it, when I got into it, it wasn't like, 
you know, it wasn't necessarily because I wanted to play football or I was excited about basketball. It really yeah. was like, I mean, like I said, I threw away the flyer, like you know, probably <laughs> half dozen times. And, but it, it really kind of came about at a necessity and just needing, you know, my mom needing me to be able to have somewhere to go, um, you know, a couple of times a week. And, you know, but I'm just, you, you know, you look back at things and you kind of see how things play out. And I mean, just the, the odds of, you know, me tossing the flyer a couple of times and then happening to get in trouble. And then I got, so I, my mom's got to get me from the <laughs> office and yeah. it happens to be a stack there. And, um, you know, so there's no, I mean, there's no doubt in my mind, like it's what I was supposed to end up doing. And, and, and I was definitely supposed to be exposed to that, but yeah, it's just mm -hmm. funny how different people get into things for different reasons. I mean, I, I, I would love to be able to say, yeah, you know, I saw a kid with some, a helmet one day and I was like, <laughs> damn, wouldn't that be fun? Uh, but that just wasn't the case for yeah. me, and which is ironic because I I do sport for a living. Yeah. Um, and uh, but yeah, no, it's <laughs> yeah the day, the daycare thing. If not if not anything else, is you know almost enough of a sales pitch in itself to you know to warrant people still wanting to join up and stuff. Um, <laughs> you know, especially twenty twenty where you know the both members of the house are usually working more than ever, and yeah, um, you know it's it's uh. And so it's definitely a good, a good platform for, you know, for, for anybody trying to get into, into something new. And um, yeah, it's just a, uh, just, I mean, it's just, like I said, just a lot of fondness looking back at it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and we, we both went to Rio Hondo prep uh, junior high and high school and, and we were teammates a few times, a few different teams. We didn't always see eye to eye. I know that, but you know, we were, we were teenagers and just had different opinions at times and, and butt, butted heads here and there. Uh, but but also had some great memories, some great uh, moments on the field and the, the basketball court. One of my most most fun years was sophomore year on JV basketball because you know Bill and Devin and Paul they were all playing up on varsity and it was kind of me and you and I don't even remember who else Jordan maybe uh, and so we had some good times and uh, throughout throughout high school and and playing playing with each other. You ended up transferring to Western Christian your final uh, for your senior year. And, uh, you know, whether you were on that team or not, that was a game that Real Hondo Prep and definitely myself looked forward to a lot was playing Western Christian. It was just for me, it was everything. It was it was at Citrus College, which is where I, you know, I eventually went to school there. It was Glendora. And then to top it all off, we played in just this absolute uh, rainstorm in the fourth quarter. So, uh, Joe, that was one of my most fun games I've ever played in. Yeah, I wish I could say it was the same for me. Um, we, uh, I mean, going into it, I think it was the, you know, it was the same for me a lot for completely different motivation. Mm -hmm. It was just all I wanted to beat Rio Hondo because, you know, my, my, you know, for the, for the sake of transparency, you know, my departure from Rio Hondo wasn't like necessarily, um, you know, amicable on my end. Mm -hmm. Like I felt, you know, like it was a, a, a tough split. Um, so I went into it very much like I just wanted, I just want to kick these guys butts. <laughs> like it, it was, and the thing that was kind of unique about it for us at Western was, you know, we had so many guys on that team that were KYL, KYL kids. Yeah. And, um, you know, I want to say off the top of my head, um, you know, there were probably six or seven starters on that team in a, in addition to myself that, at one point or another were, were KYL kids. And so um, there was a lot of familiarity with the guys on, you know, playing for Rio Hondo 
with all of those guys and I think vice versa. And um, so it ended up kind of being, which was weird because it was the first time the two schools had ever played. Mm -hmm. Um, We definitely went into it on our end. Like it was almost like a rivalry game. And I still remember our head coach at the time, like couldn't quite figure out like why we were taking it. So like personal um, some of the guys (laughs) and like try, I still remember uh, our quarterback at the time, Troy, who had, who had grown up a, a tiger in the program, um, like trying to explain KYL to our head coach and like how it worked. And, you know, well, in Temple City, you're a Indian or whatever it was. And like his, his, his head was like exploding. Like he just he couldn't figure it out and, and understand. And, um, you know, but yeah, I mean, it was, we ended up losing the game for any, everyone listening. So let's make sure they all know that, you know, Western Christian lost the game. Um, But uh, yeah, and it's ironic because I think statistically it was my best game of the year. Like, I think it was all downhill for me after that game. (laughs) Um, And, uh, but yeah, I mean, I, it was, uh, it was definitely a a fun, I, I, and it was a good game. I think um, I was actually talking about it. I mean, it's probably been a while now, but I remember talking about it with, with Mark Carson, um, who's now the head coach at Rio Hondo. Like it, uh, the thing that's always for a while with me that got lost in the whole thing. Cause I was just so upset. We lost. And I was like mad that I played well, but we didn't win and all that stuff was the fact that it was like a good game. And um, then, yeah, you talk about the rain and kind of the conditions and obviously that, you know, uh, not that you, you always want to play in tough conditions, but when you do get it, it always seems to be kind of fun. Yeah. And um, I mean, it was, it was a good, and like you said, the, you know, playing at Citrus college, the nice field, all that stuff. And um, it just had a good, you know, it had like a big game feel to it. Um, and, and both teams ended up having pretty good years. And so, um, you know, it was two good teams playing each other and with a lot of familiarity and, and a college stadium and, and in the yeah. rain. <laughs> yeah. It, it's kind of like, you know, what the six-year-old Matt That's and Joe it. were probably thinking, like, oh, it'd be nice to play one of those ones. Yeah, I was uh, – I remember going under – it was the weirdest – it felt like I was going back in time, and we were just kids playing on the street almost because I go under center and I look across and I see you uh, as a linebacker or or I'm on defense and I see Troy Doolittle get under center for – I'm like, yeah. it's weird, but so much fun. At the same yeah. Time. No, it, it was uh, – I, you know, it's my one of my biggest ta- like memories from that game was obviously I had I had won a CIF championship the year before, or we all did actually I should mm-hmm. say um, the year before at Rio, and obviously growing up in the program and playing there for a couple of years, like you know I I had the play, and at the time, you know the playbook is not what it what I imagine it is now at Rio Hondo. <laughs> like we had, we had pretty much brought like the same exact playbook from eight man and just kind of you know maneuvered it to work for eleven man, and. Um, so I still remember a play like it's lit. I don't know if it was late in the game necessarily, but, uh, it's like a fourth down and I, you guys were going for it. And it was what I think you got like power 31 reverse something. All right. It might've been just power 31 reverse. <laughs> oh, no, no, it was power 31, like fake reverse. And I always remembered like one of the things that they taught us on that play was for everybody to yell reverse <laughs> and like, to sell the reverse. And I remember making the tackle. I actually have a picture. I still have the picture of making the tackle on Jordan Ross on that play. And the only reason I did is because I heard everyone yell reverse. <laughs> and so I knew it was a fake. Yeah. 
And so I was able to make the play and, you know, I don't think we capitalized on it necessarily, but I just vividly remember like I'm, I'm trying to sprint and make the tackle. And here comes, I think it's Bill Ritter about to come around on the reverse. (laughs) And I just hear everybody yell reverse. And I go, it's "It's a fake. And I stick with Jordan. I make the play. And, um, that was like, uh, unfortunately, that was the only time my knowledge of the of the real Hondo system actually paid off. Um, you know, but it, I just vividly remember that play, and it just so happens to be that I, there was a picture of it Very cool. um, that I still happen to have. Yeah, <laughs> I well, I, I will, uh, I'll piggyback on that, and, and uh, yeah, I always screamed that reverse, and I probably should have known better. As that's poor scouting on my part. Uh, but there's one other play from that game. There's the bunch of, I mean, you know, Hey, no one wants to hear us talk glory days forever, but uh, there is a play I remember specifically, and maybe we would have scored another touchdown. It was a, I think a punt return and uh, Jordan was, was breaking loose and I was out in front and there was, I probably yellow had to block one more guy and, and he was going to be gone. But I happened to see uh, Wellman <laughs> coming, pursuing Jordan. And I, you know what? Uh, definitely not to show you up or anything, Joe, just a friendly memory that I remember. I remember leaving the guy that was left to go after you. And honestly, it was probably a cheap shot on my part. Uh, but yeah, made, made a block on you that was definitely unnecessary and behind the play. Uh, and uh, it would definitely get a flag today. But uh, Jordan got tackled. We ended up not scoring. So that was probably the lesson to be learned there to, to make the smart play rather than the uh, emotional play, you know? Yeah, I actually remember it, and it drove me freaking crazy um, because, like, uh, you know, and, and you, you talked about, like, the friendly rivalry and not seeing eye to eye all the time. And, you know, I think looking back at myself as a teenager, you know, I had, like, obviously my clique of friends at Rio Hondo and, um, you know, everybody. I mean, we were all friends, <laughs> but, you know, they're always, you know, like me and Paul Hampton were inseparable and we kind of did everything together and then we always kind of viewed the people that didn't hang with us as like, you know, whatever. Right. They just, they weren't our guys, but, and I, but the, I still remember being so upset because it was you. <laughs> like I remember thinking, anybody, gosh, it, it wasn't about the fact that I got my clock cleaned. It was the fact that you did it. <laughs> and I was like, so angry. Like, and the funny thing is, and you would have, and you, this is probably the first time you've ever heard this. So we used to do a thing at Western, um, you know, back then you probably remember uh, Gatorade did that thing where like everybody got to do their own like player of the week. Um, so like Gatorade would give a tube to like, mo- I, th- pr- I think every high school team. And there was like a Gatorade shirt in it. Oh um, yeah. yeah. And you got to kind of give it out. So we used to do our own player of the week, but part of that on Monday, on Monday more at our Monday morning lift, um, our head coach would give out that thing. But part of that was always like a, a highlights and a low light <laughs> from that, from the previous game. And so if you were the one getting the player of the game or the, like you were getting the player of the game, uh, the highlight portion of that video section would be like, just cut up highlights of whoever got it. Um, and the funny thing I mentioned earlier, like the pinnacle of my of my my season that year was that game. Um, I think I had twenty like twenty tackles or something. And so the highlight, they're hey player of the week, Joe Wellman, boom boom boom. We got we're watching the highlights. I'm like, oh, this is great. I look like a pro on this thing. They did a great <laughs> job. 
and and then we get to the lowlights. <laughs> and it was the first and only time that year that the highlight guy was also the lowlight guy. Oh. And it was one clip, and it was me getting my clock cleaned by Matt Hersema. And so everyone, you know, I'm like, oh, yeah, Joe, boom, 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 we're watching the highlights. And then I didn't hear the – I did not hear – um, they did not stop going after me on that play until maybe a week later. Like, especially guys that knew who you, you know, Troy Doolittle and some of these other guys that knew who you were, uh, David Sutton. Um, you know, some of those guys were like, Oh, you Matt Hersema, you kidding me? Blah, blah, blah. Like, and it, it was, yeah. So it was just, um, I was the highlights and the lowlights and, you know, compliments. To you. <laughs> and yeah. I just remember being so like it could have been anybody on that team, and I would have been like, ah, okay. But it was Matt Hurtsman, and it just it drove me nuts. Um, but uh, no, it was yeah, no, it, it's it's definitely a memory. For oh me man, memory lane is fun sometimes. That's that's hilarious. I mean, I find it hilarious. You may be dumb, but 20, <laughs> it's been a long time, Joe, and we've never really talked about the that game together or that story really, and. Oh man, what what a treat! Uh, <laughs> well, Joe, tell me about tell yeah. me about after high school. After high school, what did, what were you up to for a few years before eventually uh, meeting uh, Rick Croy, who's now the head coach at Cal Baptist University? But what what were your first few years out of high school like, and how you eventually uh, met Rick and got into coaching? Yeah, so you know, um, like most kind of uh, you know. Uh, kids that grow up playing sport forever. Like I, I thought like I was going to play, um, you know, football was kind of probably my best sport, but I thought I was going to play football in college. And I ended up, you know, we had a, like our head coach was such a good dude that, you know, if you told him, didn't matter who you were, I mean, you could have never played. If you told him like, coach, I want to try and play college football. Like he worked pretty hard mm -hmm. for you. Um, and this was in a time where like, I mean, VHS was the only way to do, I mean, you know, we didn't have, uh, you know, YouTube and all that stuff, obviously. And so, I mean, he would, he would spend time cutting film and highlight films for guys and, you know, putting, you know, three games on one VHS and, and all that stuff. And, and so he worked, I went to him, I said, I want to try and play. Like, I don't, I don't care if I have to pay, mm -hmm. you know, that was my big thing was I, I wasn't ready for being a part of a team to be over. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, and it wasn't about that. I thought I was great. I just, or any of that stuff, or I just wanted to be a part of a team and keep getting to do that. And, um, you know, so he did some stuff and, you know, I, you know, now that I am a college coach and I know how the recruiting game works, um, you know, I was getting what I now know are just nonsense calls from, you know, UC Davis and Sac State <laughs> and stuff in reply to the you know, where they hit you, but they're not really recruit. You're kind of like a name on a list of 15 guys. And if they don't get the first 14, maybe they circle back with you, you know, one of those things. And um, so I was messing around with those guys. And then eventually, you know, most of uh, the Skyat conference, which is like University of Laverne, Redland, schools like that. Um, you know, I had pretty good grades, um, you know, and that's a pretty good academic mm -hmm. conference. Um, so most of them ended up kind of recruiting me fairly hard and uh, I ended up settling on California Lutheran and um, my college career lasted one scrimmage <laughs> and 
I still remember like I'm there, we go through my first like summer training camp and, um, at the, you know, the, the kind of the cool, probably the highlight of my, my cult, my college football career is the fact that at that time, the Cowboys still conducted their training camp out there yeah. and the Cowboys were doing their thing in the mornings. And then we would come in in like the late evenings. And it was just kind of cool because you would randomly see, you never saw like the real stars, <laughs> but you would randomly see, you know, pro, you know, some, some offensive tackle, right? Like, in our cafeteria and us being like, wow, you know, that's so-and-so with the, and they were never like, you know, I think the studs stayed like offsite, you know, I think they did their own thing somewhere, but if you were like the rookies or, or the, you know, some of those guys, like those are the ones that kind of stayed in the dorms and stuff. So you would kind of see those guys. So that was kind of cool. But anyways, so I remember going through summer training camp and somehow I think, uh, I don't, I'm sure there were injuries or some crazy stuff happened, but somehow I end up like the backup, um, like inside line, like Mike linebacker. And, and I'm like, wow, this is great. I would have never thought I would ever like, even, this is crazy. Now in hindsight, we must've been really bad. Like if I, if we're rolling into like our first scrimmage where I'm like the backup at any position, then we're not in good, we're not in a good place. So we end up going up to Cal, Cal Poly San Luis Obispo for our scrimmage. Ooh. And, um, who, you know, and now it's FCS, but at the time they were just kind of okay, you know, at their level. Um, it was one double a at the time. They weren't even like a great, um, FC, you know, they're not North Dakota state or Eastern Washington schools like that. And we go up there and I get in the game in the fourth quarter and I, the first might've been the second play I get pancake blocked by a 200 and like 90 pounds Samoan dude. Right. And I remember laying on the ground going like this, holy Toledo. There's like a whole other level out there. Like this is whole, this is probably not for me. And I only played like three snaps in the fourth quarter, but I just remember that first, like just getting manhandled and going like, these guys aren't even good. And I ended up getting hurt like a week later. And so they ended up giving me like, I ended up getting like a medical red shirt. And so I kind of, I got to be a part of the team for the year and, and that stuff. But I, but when it was over, I was like, this is, this is not for me. Like I'm not, I'm not a college football player. And so um, I decided to leave, you know, I, at the time I viewed school as like a means to an end. Um, you know, I, I wanted to play football and I, well, in order to do that, I had to go to school. So I thought, well, if I'm not going to play football here, I don't, I don't want to be here. I don't want to go to school here. So I ended up coming home at the end of the year. And, and, you know, we were, I was, my mom and I were living in Azusa at the time. And so I started enrolling in classes at Citrus to, you know, kind of get my, my general education done. And I end up signing for a theory of basketball class. And, um, you know, so I'm, I'm in the class and, you know, it's whatever. And, you know, the, the, the professor or the guy running the class was Rick Croy, who, as you mentioned now, is, is now my boss at California Baptist. And at the time, you know, he was 27 years old and he had just gotten the job there and it was his first head job. And, you know, he's running the class. And, you know, I think he identified that I was a fairly competitive guy. And he was just kind of talking to me after class one day and said, hey, I, I think, you know, I, I'd like you to come out to one of our practices and just kind of watch and, you know, tell me what you think. Huh. And, I don't, to this day, I'm not a hundred, like he can't even explain why he came up and, and, and like, like what was going on in his head that he was like, let me ask the random Mexican <laughs> kid 
um, you know, from my basketball class to come watch practice. And so I go watch practice. And after the practice is over, he's go, so what do you think? And I, and it's funny. So then I look back and I don't know why I said what I said, which is I go, coach, I don't think your team's very good. <laughs> wow. And, it's, you know, and he's, he's like, Oh, what the, you know, who's, who's this kid? The ball's on this kid. Um, and I think he was so like impressed with my, my willingness to tell, like, I mean, obviously this adult, um, that I had just met who asked me nicely to come watch his practice. I think he was just so impressed that I had the balls to tell him, like, I don't think your team's very good that he was like, come to the next practice. I want you to come by, you know, let me know what you think. You know, we're still doing some recruiting. We're trying to add some guys late, you know, and, and so that turned into him asking me to kind of help out, you know, and looking back, I would say, you know, basically I was like the team manager. Um, you know, he never, uh, called it that like he always introduced like hey guy you know when my first introduction to the team was this is coach wellman he's going to help us out um you know and so he did a really good job of making sure that i felt like i was really a part mm-hmm. of the staff um he made sure the guys treated me like i was another coach even though some of them were older than i was oh. and um but a lot of it was man you know i i videotape practice and a lot of it was managerial stuff and so at the end of that year, um, you know, I think he realized like I was a pretty bright kid and I had having grown up in San Gabriel Valley, I think he knew like I had a good feel for like, you know, the the good high school programs in the area. And and so he started to kind of really put me into like the recruiting side of things. And, you know, so I just started, you know, back then Max Preps had just started and a lot of people, not a lot of people kind of knew that it was, it was, it could be a great resource. Um, you know, so I'm going on there and I'm looking at, you know, in the area, you know, who's scoring the most points, who's throwing the most assists, you know, and stuff like that. And I would kind of formulate these recruiting lists based off of that. And, you know, and then I just started going out, you know, and me and some of the other assistants would start driving to LA and it got to the point where we were at, like, I was at like a basketball game probably every single night of the week that we weren't playing. And, you know, I'm going to Dorsey High School and Manual Arts High School. And, you know, I'm uh, hopping fences at St. Anthony's in Long Beach to sneak into the game because, you know, you're a Juco coach. I'm 19, so I don't have any money. So, you know, I'm, I'm hopping fences and going through back doors to get in these games for free. And what what kind of ended up happening was I, I found my niche, which was recruiting. And so he kind of gave me more responsibility as time went and all of a sudden I blinked and it was, it was year five at Citrus and, you know, and, and we were all there together and we had done some really nice things. I think my third year there, we won a state championship, we went 35 and one. Um, you know, there were probably four of like the 15 guys on that team were guys that like I recruited and, and got there. And, um, you know, so I obviously played a, a role in kind of our success there. And, you know, our last three years at Citrus, we went 93 and nine, um, which was like the best three-year period in the history of the state since Jerry Tarkanian was at Riverside mm-hmm. City College. And so we had done really well. And at the end of year five, uh, Rick ends up getting an opportunity to, to go be the associate head coach at St. Mary's College up mm-hmm. in Moraga, um, who's in the WCC, Gonzaga's league. And it's kind of been, uh, you know, those two teams have kind of run that league for a long time. And uh, so he goes up there and I remember crying. Like I remember 
you know, getting very emotional when he met with us to tell us he was going to leave for that job because, you know, I'm, I met him when I was 19 and he gave me a job and it didn't pay any money, but it's, he gave me a job and he believed in me and he and infused a lot of confidence in me and gave me a lot of responsibility. And I really looked at him as like the reason why I was doing what I was doing. And, um, you know, he told me, look, you're, you're going to stay with the new guy. Like I know him. He's, he's a good friend of mine. You're going to stay with him. He's going to need you. You know, he, this thing is, I mean, our, uh, you know, if I use a, uh, a good to great, you know, the book, good to great, uh, terminology, you know, this flywheel mm-hmm. is spinning and, you know, he's going to need you to help him keep it going. And, and I remember thinking like, I don't want to do that. Like, you know, I don't know this, you know, and I ended up staying on, I did three more years at citrus. We did some really good things. And so I was there for a total of eight. Um, you know, during that time, I ended up finishing my classes at Citrus. I get my degree from Azusa Pacific, um, which was basically on the same campus as Citrus. And, um, you know, what I re- what I figured out during that time was I basically found a way to going back to my original point of why I even want to play college football. It, you know, I found a way to still be mm-hmm. a part of a team and it, in a field and in a in a way that I would have never like if you, you know, when I was in high school, I like wanted to do mock trial and I wanted to be a lawyer and I liked debating and I would have never said like I would go into basketball. Like if somebody would have said, Hey, do you think you could see yourself being a football coach? I probably would have said like, Oh, maybe, but basketball, no, no chance. Like that was not on the agenda. That was no, nothing I could have predicted. Um, but it was just the crazy kind of, you know, it, 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 me having the balls to say your team sucks him having enough humility to be like, Man, this kid's, let me keep talking to this kid, you know, and that turning into, um, you know, five, uh, well, five, what ended up being eight years there and kind of me finding, shoot, this is, I'm pretty good at this. Like I'm, I'm good at what I do and I get to be a part of a team and I get to compete still, which, you know, I, I think looking back, you know, if I'm really dialing it down to its simplest form. I mean, what I was looking for after high school was just a chance to mm-hmm. keep competing. Um, and, um, you know, I think maybe that's why, you know, uh, I was so gravitated towards the idea of being a lawyer in high school and stuff. Cause I, you know, it's just competition, you know, and, um, but yeah, so, you know, the eighth year we, I finished up my eighth year at Citrus and I still remember, um, getting a phone call at like 2 a.m. Uh, on a random day in April and Rick uh, was on the phone and he goes, hey, um, I'm going to take this this division two job down in Riverside and I want to get the band back <laughs> together. And I, remember going, I said, well, you know, I remember going, well, who's the band? And he proceeded to tell me that, you know, our entire staff that we had at Citrus, he was going to bring to the new spot. And um you know, when he left after year five, I, I was the only one that stayed. You know, we had another assistant um, who left for uh, – t- he took a Division two job at Humboldt State. We had another coach who left to take an NAIA job uh, down in San Diego at Cal State San Marcos. So we had kind of all left to do our own thing. And so, yeah, when he made that call and said, I want to get the band back together, you know, we want a lot of games together. Why would I, why would I try and do it with anybody else? Um, and obviously my answer was, yeah, let's do it. Um, so he brought us all back, uh, all four of us back to CBU and, um, in 2013, 14. And, um, it was, I mean, it was different. I, you know, the thing about junior college that I really appreciate looking back is 
you know, and I say this very humbly and very, um, you know, very complimentary to people that do do junior college athletics. But what we figured out was nobody really cares. And mm. it sounds harsh. But at the end of the day, like we were winning all these games at Citrus and nobody mm-hmm. really cared. You know, the the mayor of Glendora wasn't hey. like, man, we got a great college basketball yeah. team in our city. Like it, it, nobody really cared. And um, what ended up being so great about that level is we were really able to cut our teeth and learn what we wanted to be about, what our philosophy was, how we wanted to build culture. We got to do all that stuff on the fly at a level where there was no pressure to Mm -hmm. win. And um, because nobody really cared. And so when we, by the time we got to CBU and we were at division two, all of a sudden there was pressure to win and there were expectations and, um, but we had already, you know, because we had this this opportunity to really fine tune what we wanted to be about at the junior college level, I thought we were very prepared um, to handle kind of those expectations and that pressure um, at CBU uh, very well. You know, we finished twenty four and one in the regular season, and we made the NCAA tournament and ended up losing the first round, but. It, it really allowed us, I think, to obviously we met the expectations and kind of the pressure that we, we felt to be really good right away. But we kind of we met that head on and then it just springboarded us, um, you know, as a program to the point where very quickly we were able to get um, it was going to be hard for another division two to beat us on a kid. And, um, you know, so we ended up competing at the division two level for five years. Um, you know, we won the league, won our conference twice. We made the NCAA tournament all five years. Um, we won the West regional in our last year, division two, we ended up making the elite eight. Um, and, uh, I mean, we just were able to have tremendous success and, and I really, I mean, we talk about all the time and we really do think a lot of it was because of the stuff we learned at the junior college level, you know, what to do and what not to do and, and what we, we really wanted to be about. And, um, you know, and the good thing about CBU is it's, it's been a thriving university for going on five or, you know, the last five or six years. I mean, the enrollment has skyrocketed. Um, You know, it's up over, you know, 12,000 students now when we got there in 2013, it was just over six. Um, And so, you know, when you're, when you're doing really well at a thriving university, Mm -hmm. you know, things get better. And so going into our last year, division two, you know, they built us a, you know, 5,000 seat arena, Um, you know, the CIF open division, uh, you know, playoffs, our finals are are held there every year now. Um, And uh, it's, you know, we, we always say it's the the biggest and nicest building in the inland empire. And we, (laughs) we tell recruits, we think it's, it's the nicest, uh, you know, basketball venue in Southern California outside of maybe San Diego state. And, um, you know, and, and obviously that's how that helped things, you know, that helped us kind of really solidify our recruiting class, our last year of division two. And, and obviously we, that was the year, you know, probably not coincidentally that we, we actually made our run in the tournament and made the elite eight. And, um, and then that's, you know, that's when the school said, you know what, we've been doing really well at this thing for a long time. I think it's time to make the move to division one and uh, which, you know, we were obviously really excited about it, but at the same time, (laughs) 
Yeah. It's like, that's a whole different monster. Um, you know, to go from playing Azusa Pacific to, you know, the university of Texas. I mean, it's just, <laughs> um, you know, so it was a daunting task. We knew it wasn't going to be easy. And, uh, but we thought, we thought we could do it and, and do it well. And, and we're, so blessed to be at a, at a university that obviously had a lot of belief in us and that, that we were the right ones to guide um, the school and the program through that transition. Um, you know, our first year we, we ended up going, you know, 16 to 15, which is a winning record. I think anytime you, you can have a winning record in college athletics, I think it's something to be proud of. Obviously we, we would have liked to have won more games, but um, at the time, uh, 16 wins was the most anybody had done in the in their first year of Division One um, hmm. in terms of transition schools. So schools that have made the move from Division Two to Division One, um, that was the most anyone had ever won. So we were pretty proud about that. Now that has since been broken. Um, one year later, uh, a team out in New York actually made the move and, and broke that record. But um, you know, we felt like we did really well, and you know we were able to bring in a really good recruiting class this last year. And, you know, so we ended up going 21 and 10 this last year, we finished second in our league. Um, and uh, which was also the most wins anybody had done in year two. So it's, um, you know, we're definitely on the rise. Um, we're, we're kind of managing this thing as best we can. Um, and the transition is not easy. Um, and, uh, <laughs> but we're, you know, we're doing well and we're just, we're, you know, we, we, we tell ourselves all the time as a staff, you know, we don't know if we could do this at another university. Um, we're just the, the school does such a good job of making sure that we have what we need to be successful. Mm -hmm. um, and we're not wanting for much, um, whether it's, uh, you know, travel budget, recruiting budget or, you know, whatever it may be. Um, they just do a good job of giving us what we need and, and, and letting us kind of run the program the way we want to run it. And I mean, there's tremendous tremendous leadership on on campus, but they, you know, they know when to lead and they also know when to let you kind of do your thing. And um, I mean, we're just, we're just in a really good spot. And, um, you know, we, we feel really good about our recruiting class right now. Um, you know, I, I would be lying if I said we weren't optimistically hopeful that we could maybe, you know, we finished second last year maybe make a run at winning the league. Mm -hmm. um, it's kind of probably what our goal is going to end up being once we get our, our team on campus and uh, we get a chance to goal set with them. But, um, you know, I mean, we're just, we're hopeful, but again, we're just fortunate to be at a really good place. Um, but again, I, I, I can't stress enough, like how tremendous our experience at Citrus was. And like I said, just being able to kind of win and lose on the fly yeah. and, and figure out, you know, what we want to be about. I mean, and you see, you know, Pete Carroll is a good example. You know, he's talked openly about that's kind of what his journey was like. Um, you know, he, he's a fired NFL head coach and he really felt like he was going to be successful at USC because he was able to figure out who he really was, what he really wanted to be about and what he wanted his team to be about. Now he obviously, he cut his teeth at a level where there's a lot of expectations and a lot of pressure. Um, <laughs> But nonetheless, you know, a similar concept and just getting an opportunity to kind of um, figure out what you want to be about, uh, you know, before you get kind of your, you know, your big break. And, um, you know, we were for I mean, Citrus is something we talk about all the time. And, and our my head coach, Rick, is, I mean, will randomly call me and be like, do you remember Nick Sullivan from San Dimas <laughs> High School? Do you remember that guy? Like just random guys that tried out for the team or, you know, some of our best memories is – 
as much good stuff as we've done um, since then. You know, my head coach went to St. Mary's and coached Matthew Delavadova. Like most people would say, you know, hey, let me talk. You know, what was that like? You know, what was that experience like? He's an NBA player, you know, and uh, he used to work out Patty Mills. And and but the stories he wants to tell people are the Citrus Cold stories, <laughs> and uh, and kind of the stuff we did there. And um, but again, just very blessed to, you know, I was blessed to get an opportunity at Citrus. I was even more blessed to, to, to have him bring me with him here at CBU and, and they continue to, to bless us with, you know, like I said, everything we need to be successful. So we're, you know, we're looking forward to year three, you know, once this, this pandemic's over and we can actually get with our boys. Um, but, uh, no, I think, uh, I think our future is bright here and, um, you know, we're really looking forward to, to what's, you know, what, what's potentially in store for us. Yeah. You know, that arena num- number one is, is spectacular. I've, I've been on campus a few times to work uh, baseball games there at the, you know, yeah. when, when they're in division two. And also now that they're in the WAC, um, I will say you, you talk about leadership on that campus. I don't have, I don't know much about it all, but I do know the one guy who takes care of us and his communication with us. And he's kind of like our liaison, uh, Brian, I think his last name is Angle. Yeah, Brian Angle. Yeah, I mean, he he is so uh, – we told him in his Division two days, we were like, man, you know what, you guys, if you move to the Division one level, you're a step ahead of a lot of people, just the way you treat umpires. I don't know what it's like with basketball. I'm assuming the same thing, but just the communication, having to have a room ready, all, all, the, all the little things that aren't that difficult but, you know – or looked over at times. And, and Brian has always been such a, a professional dude just in working with us. And I'm sure that's a tribute to uh, other members of the university. Yeah. Our, uh, our upper leadership, you know, our president, um, his name is Dr. Ellis, Dr. Ron Ellis. He's, uh, I mean, he's pretty involved. Um, you know, most presidents at a lot of universities, I think they, you know, their, their focus is on running the, the university, obviously, but they got a lot of fundraising obligations and different things they got to do. And, and obviously he, you know, our president has those obligations as well, but he, I mean, he loves athletics. I mean, he's a, mm-hmm. he is a, a Southern Baptist, went to Baylor, you know, did his undergrad at Bay, you know, <laughs> like he's a, uh, he loves his football and he loves his athletics and all that stuff. And so he's very involved and, and kind of has his hand on everything. And, and our vice president is, uh, you know, who he has kind of put in charge of athletics as well is, is really involved. And, you know, one of the things that CBU does uh, that I think is, you know, at the time, you're not necessarily stoked about it as a new hire. Um, but one of the things they do is they make everybody go to a customer service class. Oh, and you know, because our president understand our vice president understand that, you know, as coaches, you're going to interact with a lot of people, mm-hmm. right? People, not just people that are already a part of CBU, but probably more so people that aren't. And they understand that we are a reflection of the university. And they don't want anybody to ever have a bad interaction or a bad experience. They don't want that ever attributed to CBU. So whether it's Brian, who's our associate athletic director for facilities, or it's uh, our uh, athletic director for ticketing or whatever, they, they want those people to know how to like how best to interact with people. And they really do view them. You know, our university really does view themselves as being in the customer service business. And you know, learning how to, how to coordinate with people and talk with people from all different kind of walks of life and, you know, how to not be confrontational and how to be a professional. And, and obviously that's different for, for, for everybody in terms of what your actual responsibilities are. But, but yeah, it starts from the top down, yeah. you know, they're, like I said, they're, they are very, very, uh, 
particular about, you know, how, how we are presented as a university. And, and like I said, wanting to make sure that, um, you know, uh, our head coach, Rick always says it's, it's like in and out, right? Like what, why is in and out so great? Right. Because nobody ever has a bad experience at in and out, right? <laughs> the customer service is always great. The burger is always great. The fries are always crisp, right? It never changes. It, it's, it's, they have the simplest menu in America, but they do extremely well because it's always a great experience and CBU wants to be in and out. You know, they don't want anybody to ever have a bad interaction. They don't want anybody to ever go home and say, man, you know, I went down to CBU the other day and I just didn't like it, <laughs> you know? So um, they do a really good job of kind of, you know, install instilling that mindset into kind of everybody that works on campus, because like I said, they understand that, uh, you know, to use Brian for an example, like he's going to interact with a lot of umpires, officials and, different people, whether it's construction people when they're fixing the, the new yeah. floor or whatever it may be. And they want those people to always go back and say, I like working the CBU baseball games. Mm-hmm. Like I had a good experience and it sounds like you did. So I, obviously <laughs> they're, they're doing a good job with kind of, um, you know, how they want things and, and how they want CBU perceived. But yeah, no, the, the leadership, um, the upper leadership at CBU is, is like off the charts. Yeah. They're, they're, they're such good people and, and they just get it. That's uh, it's it's really cool to hear, uh, you know, uh, as an outsider, someone who's not attended that school as a as, as just someone who's a uh, an umpire who steps on campus occasionally uh, a lot. Of, but but it just goes to show you never know who's watching and doing the right thing. All these messages and uh, constant themes of, of successful people, successful programs. It's really intriguing to hear about. Um, so thank you for sharing all that, Joe. The one thing I have to ask you now, and I'm a little, little worried about it, but uh, no, not so much is, you know, this is a, this is a very official officiating friendly show, a very umpire. We, we have a lot of uh, different perspectives, but I got to ask you as a, as an assistant basketball coach at the division one level, uh, what, I mean, what are your thoughts on, we'll just stick with specifically basketball officiating. I know you probably have plenty to gripe about at times too, but what can you say about basketball officiating from a coach's standpoint? Um, I think, uh, and I'm, I say I'm biased. It's because I'm, I'm a basketball coach. Obviously I'm not biased. I don't have any, uh, more affinity towards basketball officials than I do any other sport, but <laughs> I think basketball officials might have the toughest job in all of officiating. I agree. Um, because pretty much, I mean, more or less everything they do is a judgment call mm-hmm. and, it, and it's very subjective. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and it's, you know, football, right. You, especially nowadays, right. You can, Maybe you call a guy out of bounds. He wasn't out of bounds, right? He scored a touchdown. Well, now you can review it. Oh, no, he, he wasn't. Okay, touchdown. Um, in basketball, you're not rescinding the foul. Um, you know, you thought it was a block. It's a block. There's no, um, you know, everything is so subjective, and it is 40 minutes uh, at the college level, at least, 40 minutes of nonstop action. You know, there's no breaks, and it's – it's, it's just nonstop subjective call after subjective call. And so I, you know, we always try to say like, we, like you said, we've had our fair share of gripes. There's been <laughs> games where we thought we had the worst officials in all, of, in all of America. Um, you know, obviously it's a lot of that's contextual as to how the game goes, but um, 
we do try our best to kind of acknowledge like how hard of a job it is. Mm-hmm. And I think officiating in general is hard. Yeah. Um, but it's, it's hard, man. And you know, you, you got really long athletic dudes running around, you got big, strong guys running around and it, it's, there's, there's touching and there's hitting and there's boxing out, there's doing all this different stuff. And it's like, is that a foul? Is it not a foul? Like I wouldn't want to have that job. Like I, I wouldn't, I, I'm not one of those guys that thinks like I could do it. Yeah. Um, but I do think, you know, our experience being at, at least at the division one level now is I do think like most crews get it right. Like I do think most crews have a good night. Um, you know, we, there's been probably only like a handful of times where we thought in our last two years. So probably four or five times in, 60 something games where we felt like, all right, that crew had a bad night. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, which I think is, I mean, if in any walk of life, if you could say you're hitting out of the park 95% of the time, I think we would all take that. Right. So yeah. um, I think this is no different. I, I think most nights they do a great job. I, I, you know, and yeah, some, you know, sometimes you might get a bad rep here <laughs> in terms of how they interact with you or whatever, but for the most part, I think officials do a great job at, at, at our level. And, you know, we're fortunate, you know, the WAC is, is fortunate enough to, you know, our assigner does the PAC 12 as well. So we get um, on, and we have different conference schedules. So um, we do get our fair share of um, PAC 12 officials doing our games. And uh, at least in the league, in our when we get to our league schedule, because they don't conflict, yeah. you know, they can do our game and then go do the USC game the next night. Yeah. Um, so we're blessed to have. I mean, we probably do get a high, a better quality official than maybe some other mid major leagues do. Um, you know, but it's so we haven't had a lot of you know nights where we just were like we felt like there was a gripe. Um, and like I said, we I mean we thoroughly acknowledge how hard of a job it is. <laughs> well, and, and, and anytime, and anytime your job, I mean, think about it. Like, I don't know if there's another job that exists where the, where your job is almost entirely subjective. Like yeah. it's your point of view. It's what you think it's, you know, you go to bank of America, there's guidelines on how you right. This is how you greet the customer. This is what you do. If they <laughs> give you this, this is how you sign up a checking account, right? That doesn't exist when you're an official. It's, you know, it's, 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 uh, you know, I would actually, so our president going back to leadership briefly, our president has one of the all time great quotes. It's actually a George Patton quote, right? True leadership is high stakes decisions in real times with partial data data. Oh, right? that's I what it. I love it. Patton said is, is, is real leadership. I think officiating is real leadership. <laughs> it's because especially when you start to get to like, the division one collegiate level, the professional level, I don't, I don't care if it's minor league baseball or major league baseball. Like a lot of, sometimes these calls are like high stakes calls. Mm-hmm. They affect a lot of people and, and you're doing it in real time and you're doing it off of what, what you got, which is, was your angle or, or your perception of how, what this, you know, and that's a, that's a tough, you know, that's a tough job, you know, and, uh, you know, we lost a game uh, on, uh, late in the game two years ago on a really bad call. Like it was, it was bad. Like it, it was probably the one time where we could say, like, you know, now you still got to play the game, but we felt like, oh, we lost this game because of that official. I still remember that official calling us the next week saying he got it wrong, which I thought was incredible. Like 
to, to be able to make that call. It's not an easy call, mm-hmm. but he did acknowledge, right. Going back to the high stakes decision thing. Like he did acknowledge, like, he's like, Rick, I understand that call cost you a game. And I realize you're in a business where if you don't win enough games, you don't have a job. Yeah. So like, I am very sympathetic. Like I, I feel awful. And I thought, you know, and, and I thought that was, I remember walking away from that phone call being like, these guys get it. You know, like I, the officials understand, you know, like sometimes it has, you know, they're not oblivious to, no, 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 no. you know, I guess what I'm saying is like, Oh, I had a bad night. No big deal. Move on. Like they know mm-hmm. it affects people and, 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 you know, whether, and so I think sometimes we, we, as coaches, we have to remind ourselves like one, these are people too. Mm-hmm. Two, they're doing the best they can. And three, like they're not, they're not doing these things. And then, you know, if they do have a bad night, it doesn't bother them. You know, it's not yeah. like I don't, I, they don't just go, oh, all right, on to the next one. No, like it, <laughs> it affects them the same way. If, if, you know, you got a player that has a bad shooting night, like it affects them, you know, I, and it's the same thing, you know, they want to be as good as they can. They're professionals and they put as much time into what they do as you know, as a lot of other, you know, a lot of other professions. And I think it's important to, to kind of always try to remember that, um, you know, and then when you do have an issue, I think what my boss does a great job of is he just tries to dialogue with, you know, he he just wants to be able to talk. And I think he does a great job of of doing that. Right. He's not the guy that berates the refs or or, you know, loses his mind. Like, I think he does a good job of like trying to talk through, hey, Tom, I think this is what's happening. What do you got? Sure. Well, Rick, you know, and. And I think it's I think it's appreciated on both sides. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, I think I do think there's some coaches that forget, like, you know, these are people with like feelings and emotions and, you know, they're they're professionals, too. And you know, so I forget, like, I think sometimes they forget about that and it makes them a little bit easier to, you know, kind of maybe treat the official in a way they shouldn't <laughs> um, or. Um, but no, I mean, our 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 experience has been it's been pretty positive. And again, and some of it is just kind of our mindset of, of understanding, like they're doing the best they yeah. can, you know, and, and they're not oblivious to the ramifications uh, of if they do have a bad night, like it's, you know, it, it weighs on them and they want to be better. <laughs> and, you know, what I've been really impressed about is, uh, you know, at the division one level, at least like every single official is coming over before the game saying, here's my flash drive, please get me the film when the game's over. Yep. You know, they, they, you know, they're pros, you know, they want to watch the film just like we do. Yeah. They want to see what they did, what, what they didn't. And, and again, I think that's part of like what I think some coaches lose perspective on is, you know, these guys aren't, they're not just robots that show up, <laughs> they blow their whistle, they leave and they go home. Like yeah. it's, they work at it. They work hard. You know, they go to camps and clinics just like players do. And, you know, they're trying to be the best they can. And, Ultimately, I think every coaches and, and officials are, you know, the more respect shown to each other, the better. Sure. Um, you know, and, and just like all people, right? Like, you know, your relationships with other people or you show them respect or so you respect and everyone's the better off for it. You know, it's the same thing. But I think officials, man, man, do they have a tough <laughs> job. Like it's, yeah, I, I think in the history of sports, there's there's probably yet to be a, a perfect game officiated unless, of course, the good Lord grabs a whistle or an umpire mask. Uh, to kind of, you know, to do a game. I, I think uh, being perfect is, is the goal, but uh, you know, you're just not gonna, you're just not gonna get there. It's just, it's too hard a job, and, but you shoot for that at all times. Uh, a couple qu- quick things, Joe, I want to ask you and uh, just to give you a, a, 
a comment about a statement, a thing I remember about you. But the first one is speaking of offici- officiating, uh, you have to remember uh, officiating a couple of Care League games, right? As a junior high or high school kid, I'm sure that was that was short lived, wasn't it? <laughs> yep, yep. No, I uh, I remember. <laughs> I was always, you know, there were kids that like you that did it. Obviously, they enjoyed it. Um, and then obviously you, that ended up being kind of what you did for a while, but you know, you could sign up, right. And we got paid for, mm-hmm. it. you know, people, you could sign up for, I I still remember Mr. Horton posting that thing up on the thing in the, in the, <laughs> the great room or whatever we called. And, um, you know, and you could sign up, right. I was the guy that only did it because I was having to make up demerits. <laughs> like I, my, the reason why I was doing it was not the same reason <laughs> that most people were doing it. I was, uh. You know, I was the guy that, you know, for people that don't know, right, we, I think at the time we were on like the 100 merit system. And if you got below, I don't know, whatever it was, 95, I don't remember what it was, but there was like a threshold where if you were under there, you couldn't play. Yeah. And um, obviously we all wanted to play. So I was the one that was always the reluctant official or referee. Um, and I was only doing it so I can get my paper signed and I can get my merit and I can go back to playing in, in, in the games. Um, but yeah, no, those were, you know, but the thing about it that was that I remember I remember about it is I did always enjoy myself. Yeah. Like I, I it was you know, it was fun and um you know, and especially when you were doing like the I, I remember doing like some of the younger divisions and um or the younger ages and there was like the you know, there was only one like one umpire. Like you were obviously calling balls and strikes, but you were the one umpire. Yeah. And, um, you know, so I just, you know, I used to enjoy like having a, you know, boom, there's a ball pass and I'm sprinting up to the third baseline. Cause I know there's a play going to be made and I want to get the view and <laughs> it was fun, you know, but it just on the front end, I was never that excited about it. It was just very much a, all right, let me get my yeah. merit. And, uh, <laughs> you know. One, one o'clock. Now it's always fun to talk to guys about who, who really haven't done it you know, uh, at, at high levels, but just, I know, I know a handful of guys that did do it at, at young levels and then they, they moved about their life into <laughs> bigger and better things. So it's, it's fun to talk about those things. Well, one last thing, Joe, that I remember in playing with you, playing sports with you in the, I want to say we were, like I said, that sophomore basketball season sticks out there. Was, Joe's always been a big USC fan and there was a play in, in a USC basketball game. They were down by five points with two seconds left or something. And, uh, this guy, Adam, yep, Adam Spanich, hit a three-pointer. They threw the ball in. He hit a three. It was at Oregon. Oregon threw the ball deep just to kind of burn time. Spanich intercepted at a half court, hit a half court shot at the buzzer. Six points in two seconds. USC beats Oregon by one. And so every single game we played, I, I felt like we were always losing our games by like four or five points. But every single time, the last minute of play, Joe, Joe was out there. Hey, Spanish, baby, Spanish, let's go. Like, believe, believe it, Spanish, baby. <laughs> you always yeah. gave us hope. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, I remember they, they played Oregon. Yeah. And I, it was, uh, I still remember that game. It was, it was incredible. Oh um, but no, I, I still, it's funny because I probably have referenced that sequence, uh, that out of Spanish sequence against Oregon in my coaching career, probably two dozen times. Like I still remember like playing at Santa Monica college and and we were actually up like four with like maybe two or three seconds to go. And the team kind of like 
feeling like, all right, we got this. And even like assist, other assistant coaches being like, all right, we're good. And, and, you know, the thing about that, you know, just like all coaches, right. Like they're pretty knowledgeable. So I remember like looking, turning to one of our assistants, his name was Josh. I go, Josh, Adam Spanish, man, Adam Spanish. And, and he knew what I was talking about. You know, he, he, he knew the sequence as well. He's like, yeah, yeah, you're right. You're right. Like, and I, I, yeah, like I said, I probably have referenced that, um, you know, th those references did not stop sophomore year of high school. Um, I still talk about it. now, you know, you get to a point, I mean, no one has any clue what I'm talking about, but um, at least earlier in my coaching career, like if you, if you reference that to another adult, mm -hmm. like they go, Oh yeah, I kind of remember that. That's right. Like the six points. And uh, but no, I, I remember, um, I actually remember, I think, I think that year you actually gave me a USC basketball Jersey. I actually think. I. Oh, that. you know what? Yeah, that was that year. Dude, man, these uh, memories. <laughs> it's crazy. You know, I could see, you know, this is definitely the longest interview I've had with the, with the podcast, just so you know, and there's nothing wrong with that, but it's just goes to show you haven't talked to someone in a long time. Most of the people I've talked to, I, I've had a conversation with here and there, but we haven't talked to, I've seen you at Cal Baptist a few times when I had to go work a game just quickly, but you know, there's so much to catch up on. And, and I think we touched on quite a bit of things and Joe, it was a lot of fun. Any, any anything else as we uh, wrap it up here? No, I just, uh, I just want to say thanks for, for letting me do it. I, I, I still remember, I, I think I texted you last week and I just, I've enjoyed it because, you know, obviously probably for the same reason, I think a lot of other people do is, you know, most of the, a lot of the guests are people we know, right? Like it's, you know, whether it's landing Goodwill or, or whoever it may be like, and so I've enjoyed kind of listening to your conversations with them and kind of listening to you, you know, them tell their stories. And, you know, again, cause you know, some of these people I haven't talked to either. And, you know, in a weird way, I feel like I'm catching up with them as you are like at the same time you are when I'm listening. Um, so I, and, and so, yeah, when I, I reached out to you and just made sure you knew, like, I thought you were doing a great job, which you are, um, you know, and I just, I just appreciate the opportunity to, to get on here and talk some nonsense for a little bit. Um, <laughs> and uh, I mean, I, I'm being serious, like during the, this time with all, you know, I just can't think, I, I can't think of a better way to have spent the last hour and a half, um, you know, during this random quarantine yeah. than, than doing, doing what we just did. So um, I just appreciate the opportunity and, you know, hopefully a couple of people listen to it and, and then, you know, but no, I just, I just appreciate the opportunity. And I, you know, I, I really like, I really enjoy what you're doing. Thanks, and um, it's definitely, it's definitely been, uh, been fun to follow along, especially, you know, during a time where, you know, it's not, I'm already, I'm already caught up on my Netflix shows. There's no more of that. I could like, I'm, I'm, I've been searching for things to do. So it's been, it's been fun to kind of get to listen to these for, you know, the 50 minutes or the 90 minutes they've been going on, you know, each time you put one up and, and it's been fun. And, and I, I think you're doing a good job. Man. Well, I appreciate the kind words. It was a lot of fun catching up and talking and, and I'm sure we'll, uh, we'll be in communication and, 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 and talk again soon, but thank you for listening that, you know, the listeners are the biggest part of all this and really appreciate the kind words. And it was a lot of fun, Joe. Yeah, no, it was. And, and like I said, I, I appreciate the opportunity and, um, no, we just got to we just got to not wait so long between catch up. <laughs> Sounds good, brother. We'll talk soon. All right, take care, man. Appreciate it. Another thank you to Joe Wellman. We covered a lot of ground. We talked about a lot of subjects there. A very long interview, but we had a lot to catch up on and 
thank you for coming on the program. Good luck to you and your basketball program down the road. We have a full slate of guests already set up for next week. Starting on Monday will be Scott Lewis. He's in the financial services industry up in the Bay Area. He also umpires some high school and youth baseball. He used to work for the Dodgers for a short time. And he played college football at Azusa Pacific University. So he has kind of a wide range of topics we're going to cover. It's another long interview. So uh, be sure to strap in for that one to kick us off on Monday. Tuesday, we're joined by A.J. Corsini. He's a Real Hondo Prep graduate. He coaches uh, football and other sports at Real Hondo Prep right now in the high school department. He's also in real estate. So he'll talk about his business prior and during this current coronavirus situation. He's got a lot of energy, and he's a fun guy to talk to. Looking forward to that. Wednesday is Bill Barnes back again for the weekly Wednesday weigh-in. The former retired Riverside police uh, officer is back with us every single Wednesday on the weekly Wednesday weigh-in. Strong thoughts, random opinions, also strong opinions and random thoughts. He has it all. He will be with us. Love him or hate him, he's here every single Wednesday. So look forward to that again on this Wednesday. Thursday, we're joined by Luther Wilson. He is a high school football and baseball official. I work with him at Fox Studios on the weekends in the fall as we cover uh, Fox football, college, and, and NFL. He also works at USC on Saturdays for their home games. He works on the sidelines at the Coliseum, working the ch- as a chain crew, helping out the officials. He's also worked a few Rose Bowl games, so we'll have uh, some fun topics with him, some fun conversations, talk about a little bit of everything. Looking forward to that one with Luther. Friday, we're joined by Steve Amon, another Rio Hondo Prep graduate, was a really good baseball player at Rio, was on a team that advanced all the way to the CIF Finals. Very good football player, tough as nails. Once upon a time, he was a Gator, a few years older than me. He is now a senior project manager for CBRE up in Oregon. I'll let him tell you all about that as far as uh, his real estate work. He's now coaching his kids. He's got four boys. They're growing fast, and he's coaching and put implementing a lot of things that he learned at KYL and Real Hondo Prep as well. So it'll be fun to talk with Steve on Friday. That'll that's our lineup for next week, Monday to Friday every morning. We'll put out a new show new show for you. Have a fun guest, and uh, just thank you to everyone for tuning in. I continue to get feedback. It's it's so fun to hear from everybody. Uh, I think some people uh, like some guests and maybe not some others, but we're trying to get a wide range of people here. It's been a really fun week with all the guests. I want to thank everyone who's been here all week. Uh, It was a lot of fun. My brother Sam on Monday, Maynard on Tuesday, Bill Barnes Wednesday, Phil Solis yesterday, and today again, Joe Wellman. Thank you to all for participating and making another great week of the Get Home Safe podcast. As always, there's many ways to follow us on the Get Home Safe podcast. Our Twitter handle is Get Home Safe Pod. Our Facebook page and Instagram page are Get Home Safe Podcast. And our email address is Get Home Safe Podcast at yahoo.com. I'm looking forward to this weekend. We're going to take a few days off, just a little break. We'll be back on Monday. I'm going to be glued to the TV on Saturday afternoon into the evening for some UFC, some real live sports action. It's going to be great. I'm excited. I can't wait. Uh, It's back. Two teams, two people fighting with a referee in the middle. It's sports. It's going to have to to take us through into into future fights and future sporting events. But it's what we got. It's the first thing we've had in a long time. I am very much excited for that. So hopefully you're able to tune in as well. We'll talk about a little bit about those fights on Monday. 
as well as uh, some other weekend news. But guys, whatever you're doing, whether you're out on the town or around at third base, get home safe.